Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Joining me once again, uh, sorry, this is Mike Broadman. Joining me once again is Richie Schneider and Chris Nowaski. Guys, we went down into Philly this weekend, got a huge commanding win. No, sorry, we squeaked by against Temple 16-14 uh, in one of the ugliest games I can remember in recent history uh, for Rutgers. But a win is a win. We are 3-0 for the second time in the past two seasons. Um, but first, this podcast is brought to you by... Bet online. Bet online is your go-to resource for all your sports betting needs. Uh, you can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live and game betting, props, and futures. You'd head to Bet online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. That's B L E A V five zero. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online when the game starts. And uh, we're also sponsored by Adam Goldman. He's a franchise coach, if you guys don't know about him. Uh, basically, if you're just kind of trying to change your career up a little bit and uh, trying to diversify, do something different overall. And uh, you're just tired of sitting in that cubicle all day, every day. Uh, hit up Adam Goldman. Uh, he's been doing this for 10 plus years. Jersey guy through and through. Uh, Night Report member, Scarlet Knights fan. Uh, he kind of just uses his expertise to help others just kind of find their, uh, their new age uh, American dream. Uh, if you, you're interested in changing careers or changing something up in your life, uh, give him a call, 844-800-3726, or you can also find him at franchisecoach.net. All right, guys. The main talking point on the boards and kind of all throughout Rutgers' uh, Twitter the last 24 hours is the offense coming out of this game. Uh, what did you guys see from the offense? And uh, do we have any idea of, you know, what our personnel might be looking like for Iowa Saturday? Um, you guys saw offense because I didn't see any. I couldn't, couldn't find any on Saturday. <laughs> uh, no, there was a couple like plays here and there that weren't awful, but uh, for the most part, I mean, it's it's just running it up the gut. Like that's basically Rutgers' nitty gritty style. I know Shiano's a. Uh, done this in the past and then uh, once you go down to one quarterback I think you just got even more conservative so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like all right we're, we're just gonna ground and pound and that's that's basically the uh, the entire offense they have from 75 percent of the game 60 percent of the game something like that mm-hmm. um, they took a couple chances on throws but they just if you want rewatch it um, Evan Simon on his couple of the throws actually probably more than a couple he just wasn't accurate whatsoever yeah so I mean they squeaked by. They got a win. A win's a win, like you said, at the end of the day. But uh, just not pretty overall from the offense. Yeah, I think I think Rutgers just really wanted to try and just escape the game with the win. I think I think they're they're very conservative. Like you said, they they ran the ball a lot. I think I think someone made the stat like eighty five percent or eighty percent on first. Uh, almost almost every first down play was a run. Um, they didn't really mix it up at all or anything. Um, obviously, we saw Gavin Wimsett go down early in the game. Um, he's he's a game time decision right now. Same thing with uh, you know Noah Vedral, he who hasn't played yet this season. Um, but yeah, so right now, really only Evan Simons the 
healthy scholarship quarterback heading heading into next week. And uh, as it stands right now, his backup or is one of the walk-ons. I think we have an idea who the walk-on would be, but uh, Shannon didn't want to kind of you know reveal that. I guess I mean it's a walk-on. I don't really know how much I was going to really care about about that who who the who the backup is, but. Um, yeah, I think I think it's just just you know Rutgers really just wanted to escape the game with the win, and uh, I guess they did whatever it took it took to get the win. You know the defense played well, but you know the offense is going to have to show more as the season goes. You know season progresses. Yeah, we apparently we ran <laughs> a run play on 19 of our 21 first downs on Saturday, which is over 90 percent. Um, in the first half, especially, it was really bad. So on first. <laughs> On first half, first downs, we averaged mm-hmm. two point four yards per play. Um, so Evan was just behind in the count basically every time he was stepping up because he's facing a second and seven, second and eight on every play. And then we most of the time ran on for second down as well. So we're just we're we're just telegraphing where we're going on offense, and it kind of this felt like a game everybody mailed in from the coaching staff. Just play it conservative, play it down the middle. Don't use the driver. Just use the wedge. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll just shoot for par the entire game. And it showed we sh- honestly, you know, if Shaquan loyal doesn't pick that ball off, we probably lose this game. But at the same time, if Robert Longerbeam catches that first interception, first play of the game. Is this game, you know, a blowout because Temple's playing from behind the whole time. So it's kind of like a, what if, but at the same time, we just really, like, from top to the bottom, didn't feel like we showed up on Saturday, and it showed. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. Chiano said early, early in the week. I know someone asked him about, you know, the night game against against Iowa coming up, and you know, obviously the whole coach speak thing. Hey, we're not going to look past Temple, but you know, it seems like maybe they did. I mean, maybe, the, maybe you know, they. I, it feels like they didn't try their best. Like I hate to say that, but I feel like they didn't, you know, go go all out and they show. I mean. I think they didn't want to like show every anything or you know on on offense um, to you know because Iowa has such a good you know a, a good defense coming up maybe they didn't want to show other cards but um, they they definitely didn't seem like they went you know all out in in this one. Yeah, you you don't have to show your entire playbook, but at the same time you can't be almost losing the fucking Temple, a first year head mm-hmm. coach at Temple who has what six new starters on defense alone. Yeah. Um, the offense as a whole is just not. It's not operating at full strength. I know, obviously, there's a lot of injuries here and there, quarterback especially. But uh, what two passes this weekend went over ten yards? It's disgusting. Like, and I, and I, there's no other way to put it. Like, Kruchenko's your leading receiver. He had five receptions for a total of 18 yards. All these catches are behind the line of scrimmage. I know, like, sometimes some of these like bubbles and screens and all that stuff will work, but you, you can't like depend on like, these guys to just take it 20 yards down the field you got to throw it down the field a little bit and it's not like mm-hmm. Evan Simon can't do that is he the most accurate in the world no but I also think he's being hindered a little bit because one one interception they're gonna pull him for the other guy or vice versa and that's I think that kind of hurts both quarterbacks confidence too now him being the only quarterback possibly this weekend maybe his confidence goes up a little bit maybe takes a couple more risks because it's like go ahead mm-hmm. I dare you to put in Gavin Rupp or Albert Ricky, not going to, but um, or maybe Johnny Langing gets the start for all we know. Well, I was yeah. going to say if, if for some reason we're down Simon in the game as well, I just see them converting to a Josh Youngblood Johnny Langan duo at, at quarterback, and maybe we pass the ball three or four times all game. Mm-hmm. You might get lucky, and then you might get the fans might get to see their OC in the, the press box if that's the case. Because they might just be like, "Hey, nuns, you know what you're doing with him, so go ahead, <laughs> have fun." Yeah, I mean the whole 
the offense that that worked against Temple was John Lang run the ball. Whether it was, you know, first drive, maybe maybe I mean first quarter, maybe the second drive, he had the one long run, and then he he kind of you know uh, you know ran out the clock late in the fourth quarter. So. I mean, John, John Langan was really the offense, and I could totally see him starting again on, uh, against Iowa, just like, you know, the season over. Yeah, he also put the ball on the turf, though, so I'm sure he's True. getting earful True. for that, too. Um, yeah. but, I mean, Sean Ryan but, just happened to be right there. Yeah, and then they, but they did trust him late in the fourth quarter, so I think they kind of moved past that. But, yeah, that was that was kind of a, almost a big blow there early. Sean Ryan didn't, didn't fall on that. I mean, going back to the offense a little bit, like, Army has more passing yards than Rutgers this year. It's bad. You mean the, the team that's, that that's, that's, does that's, a triple that's, option that. as its offense? That's, yeah, that's a stat, stat right there. Like, that's stat. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, Isn't Army good this year? Um, I don't even know, to be honest. They're one and two, so no. Yeah, yeah they're mm. they they lost to UTSA in overtime and Coastal Carolina by 10. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, yeah. they, something's got to change with this offense. I know you can't be – I know everyone's like – talking about how, yeah, he's getting paid a million dollars, he's got to do better. I agree with that part. But then there's other sides of the argument where people are like, yeah, but then what are we going to do, pay people 400 500k a year again? And I'm like, yeah, you know, some of those 400 500k people might be better, to be honest. Yeah. Not yeah. saying his job's on the line, but it's, it's getting inching a little closer towards that. Like, he needs to pick, Sean Gleason needs to pick it up, and uh, this offense has to do something different, at least. Mm-hmm. Like you saw, you saw creative plays in the first game against against Boston College. They used Aaron Cookshank in a variety of ways, and then that kind of didn't happen at all like on Saturday. So, I mean, I I seem like 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 going back to everything being predictable. Like it feels like every run was the same exact play over and over and over. The the running back lined up on the right side of the quarterback, and they just ran up the middle. And the offensive line, you know, was didn't get any push. I think if you look at the Pro Football Focus grades, um, four four out of the five starters are in the bottom five in terms of the offensive passing and uh, in, in terms of the offensive grade. So uh, the offensive line obviously didn't, didn't help at all either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't all bad on Saturday. I feel like we're painting a pretty ugly picture. The defense did hold up pretty well against Temple. Um, it, it didn't result in any sack numbers, but they did put a lot of pressure on Warner. Uh, that directly led to the interception return for a touchdown, the great play by Shaquan Moyer, tipping that up to himself and returning it. Um, the run defense continued to be awesome. Uh, they held Temple to just 49 yards on the ground on 30 carries, and Rutgers is number two right now in yards yep. per carry allowed in the in the FBS out of 131 squads. So it does bode well moving forward because Iowa's also not a great team on, on the ground, and... Mm-hmm. They had a they had a, a breakout performance from their backup against uh, a really bad Nevada team this past weekend. But that game, I feel like you could just kind of throw it out for Iowa because they had you know four hours of lightning delays. The game started yeah. at like mm-hmm. six p.m. local time and ended at almost two a.m. local time. So I feel like that yeah. one's just a total <laughs> outlier. Um, but what what other positives did you guys see coming out of this one? Uh, I mean, I think Max Melton did pretty good. Uh, yep. he, he played pretty solid overall. Uh, it, I don't want to say he's back necessarily because it is a shitty Temple team, but, I mean, he played mm-hmm. really good. Um, Deion Jennings looked pretty solid as a linebacker. The linebacker court as a whole kind of looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no real complaints there. Uh, I mean, D-line, like you said, Aaron Lewis looked, looked solid. Interestingly enough, Efine Maijay got the start over Mayan Hanatu. 
was that probably because it was Temple? I would assume so, because they're, I mean, either way, they rotate in and out, like, about mm -hmm. equal snaps for the most part. But uh, it was interesting to see him out there instead of uh, Mayan. Um, yeah, but, like, I guess they didn't, like you said, it didn't result in sacks, but, I mean, overall, like, I guess the defense played, uh, played pretty solid. Yeah, I thought, the, I thought the defense played well. I mean, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece about the defense after the game. Um, you know, I talked to Max Bellin, who you talked about already. Um, Aaron Lewis had a really good game. Uh, Aaron Lewis probably had his best game since being at Rutgers. He had, you know, his most tackles since since being at Rutgers. So, um, is he? I think he also forced the fumble as well. So, um, he had a really good game. You know, being playing close to home. Same thing with Max Melton. They're both from uh, you know South Jersey. So, I'm sure they wanted to show out for their for their kind of. You know, I'm sure they both had a lot of families and friends come up come up come down or come up a little bit for the game. I guess Philly feels a little a little north of, of where they're from, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, both of those guys played well. Um, I thought I thought one thing. Speaking about the defense, that the middle of the field was was open a lot for for the Temple offense. Uh, feels like they had really a lot of a lot of completions in the middle of the field. Um, you know, EJ e. Warner was throwing off his back foot a lot of the game, but they were still completing passes. Um, he didn't really have really good arm strength either, but somehow some somehow they they still were able to complete passes. Um, you know, if you play a better quarterback next time, maybe you'll hit the hit the receivers in stride and uh, obviously cause more problems than, than, the ten, than, you know, the Owls were able to. Yeah, and that's kind of something we, we saw coming into the game. I mean, obviously he only played a half against Lafayette, but he was mm -hmm. still getting – he was under pressure against Lafayette and he was able to, you know, absorb hits and make accurate passes even though he is pretty short. I think the guy Kyle last week said he was probably only 5'10". 5'10", mm -hmm. freshman quarterback. Um he was making plays, and Rutgers had a hard time stopping them, especially over the field, like you said. And that, that kind of raises the question, is it a scheme problem? Is it the linebackers who are poor in coverage? Is it the safeties right. who are poor in coverage? I noticed, especially on the late long touchdown, Dez is Igbenusen just mm -hmm. totally read the, the play wrong. He, he cut inside, and the tight end literally just like went right behind him and scored. Um, yeah. So... I think there's a lot of questions there. Overall, I'm pretty happy with where the defense is at, um, but there's obviously still some uh, still some problems back in the back seven. Yeah, Shiano kind of mentioned it today. Like, there's just there's still a lot of youth on this team. Like, these these guys aren't experienced for the most part. Maybe a couple of the the, the defensive backs you can argue. Obviously, Avery Young's been there for. Five thousand snaps at this point, <laughs> um, yeah. but the, the rest of them are all pretty like new. Like the linebacker core has a total of going into the season had a total of four starts, five starts, maybe six. Yeah, tops. some of that four maybe. Yeah. Um, D lines pretty much all new. Um, I know obviously my J and Ahanatun have been around the block a little bit, but for the most part they're all relatively new guys on, uh, mm -hmm. at these positions. So I mean, and that also goes for the offense as well, and that kind of explains the penalties kind of as well. It's um it's all hand in hand with each other and uh yeah I know they're not the worst penalized team in the country but they're not the best either they're they're right. damn near the bottom for sure yeah um, mm -hmm. which is totally uncharacteristic of a, a Greg Schiano led team he, I think he said that you know we we strive to be a disciplined team but you are kind of what your stats tell you are and right now they are one of the most undisciplined teams in college football I think they're 113th. Out of 131 teams in penalties so. per game, they're 100, right. 109th in penalty yardage too. So they're they're basically averaging eight penalties a game for 75 yards, roughly. 
So you're just shooting yourself in the foot time after time, and it's it's been a lot of offensive line problems too. It's been a lot mm-hmm. of holding. It's been a lot of delayed games. It's been a lot of uh, false starts, um, and that's the kind of stuff I guess you get better at as you get more starts under your belt, especially as a unit because the offensive line works in cohesion. But we can't be committing these this many mistakes during Big Ten play. Like we have a big big game coming up this weekend. We're we're underdogs at home, but if we commit, you know, eight penalties against Iowa, it's going to be really tough to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty spot on. There's really no nothing else to say there. Um, you, you can't afford to commit anything against this Iowa team. Uh, they have mm-hmm. a stout defense. Your offense is struggling as is, so those two combinations are just uh, – it's going to be interesting. Let's just say this game is weird because – the only team that has less yards on offense this year in the Big Ten is Iowa. So this, yep. this is just a, a weird, weird matchup. Like, even the, the over-unders, I think, is, what, 35? Mm. Yeah, they're six-point favorites on a game that has a total under 36, so... Yeah, it's just... It's going to be such a weird game, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, Iowa, Iowa you know, looking at, the, looking at the numbers for Iowa, they're uh, number two scoring defense, number two red zone defense, number four total defense... Number six in passing efficiency defense. Number 10 in least number of first downs allowed. Number 15 in rushing defense. And number 59 in third down defense. So just like all across the board, they're stout defense. And, you know, just going back to the offense, Rutgers is going to have to mix it up and try and find try and find something to move the ball. I mean, maybe they didn't show a lot against Temple because they want to, you know, do more different things, you know, to, you know, Move the ball against Iowa. I mean, maybe that was you know the whole the whole idea you know for the for their you know strategy. But yeah, Rutgers are going to have to try something different to to be able to score against this Iowa defense, which is you know really good. Yeah, I think some context to that. They played three games. Mm-hmm. One was against an FCS team. One was against Nevada, who lost to an FCS team last week, and the other was their big rivalry game, Iowa State, mm-hmm. which they lost. Um, in a 10-7. barn burner, ten to seven. So they came into the the league, or they came into the season with a highly touted defense. But yep, I wouldn't. I don't know. I think it's a short, small sample size at the moment. But they are they are probably better. One of the better defenses we'll face all year. They're um, actually my uh, fan, my college fancy defense. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, let me know who you root for this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really care uh, about that. Yeah. It's fun. I don't care. <laughs> It's pretty cool, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 such a weird team. I mean, if you look at the PFF grades alone, too, like there's 80 rushing defense, 80 something coverage, 80 overall defense. They're they're just really good on defense. Like I, I don't know how this team's going to score, but maybe you get some guys back. Maybe you get a Noah Vedral back, who Shiano said is now game time decision, which is a little bit different mm-hmm. than oh jeez, there's my camera phone. Um, that just flashed me now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Noah Vedrill might be back. He's a game-time decision. Gavin Wimsatt will be a game-time decision. Maybe we'll see a crazier quarterback roulette than we've seen week one and week two. And then there's running back roulette, which might feature Aaron Young coming back potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Shadi Salam's kind of established himself as a role, uh, in a new role. Um, Sam Brown's getting carries, like Kyle Nongai. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting, too. You could throw a couple mm-hmm. different options there. And uh, who's the other guy? Matt Limo, who obviously they can yeah. use because they're, they're using Mike Higgins, a true freshman. And in a typical season, that guy's no offense to him, he's just probably not playing. Sure. And now yep. he's got to play 10 to 15 snaps a game. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm glad you brought him up too because you know, if if Alimo's able to come back, maybe that gives more wiggle room to play Langan at quarterback. So, I mean, who who knows? That could be a possibility too. That's the thinking you always think about. It's just Shiano wants him back, and we can yeah. bring Johnny back to quarterback. And we can run it 90% of first downs. <laughs> there you go. I imagine that this was always – if if they were – if the staff knew that Vedral was going to miss time early in the year, this was probably the game that they were targeting for him to come back because this is probably mm-hmm. the game that they would begin to actually need him, assuming we got past Boston College. So I think – him changing the verbiage on, you know, he's week to week to he's a game time decision might be an indicator mm-hmm. that he actually might play. Um, that being said, I think while Noah has a very hard ceiling, I think he'd execute the offense better than we've seen so far from the two young quarterbacks. Because this offensive line, even though it underperformed this past week, it is better than what we had last year and the year before. Um, not, not that it's a huge upgrade, but it is an upgrade. Yeah, that that's my other question. If he is back, like the guy's last snap was what December? Is he going to be yeah. a little bit of rust as well? Like, or do you just kind of just pick it right back up and you're like, oh, I'm I'm back? Yeah. Well, it's not only that he has to be able to practice. So, outside of right. game reps, practice reps are important too. He hasn't been getting any of those, from yeah, what I, I what I understand at least. I haven't been at practice, but if he's been out, he's been out. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a uh, it's an interesting scenario. Does he, like you said, does he bring the offense be- make it better? Yeah, probably. But how much is the real question? Because it's still at the end of the day, it's still some questionable play calling. Um, they are still throwing these these passes behind the line of scrimmage. And honestly, at the end of the day, I don't even know if these receivers are really getting that much open or that much separation, I should say. Um, and that's that's a concern as well. That's been a concern at Rutgers for I don't even know how many years has it been. Since we've seen a receiver that can get open consistently, uh, Leonte Carew probably. Maybe Leonte yeah, Carew, maybe. Probably. Yeah. 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 That's that's uh, it's quite some time. That's what ten year gap, if not more. Yeah, but yeah, I thought time, I thought the receivers didn't get any. Uh, I thought the receivers didn't get any separation really in in in, in the Temple game. I don't buy that it has to purely be on the receivers too, because there's plenty of no. shitty offenses, especially in the FCS, sure. who who run a scheme that naturally gets guys open. And that's Mm -hmm. based mainly on, like, unpredictability and um, just, like, misdirection. Like, you run a play-action pass, you have an extra lineman to one side, and you throw the other side. Like, this is not super Mm -hmm. complicated. There's ways to get guys open without them being, like, 4-3 burners. And I feel like that's a really cheap excuse that some people parrot, which isn't true. Like, you don't need an elite athlete to be a good receiver and to get open. There's plenty of receivers in the NFL who run four sixes. Like Michael Thomas, he gets open all the fucking time. He ran like a four six seven at the fucking combine. You don't need elite speed to get open. So I just, I really cringe every time somebody's like, "Well, what are you supposed to do when your receivers aren't like super fast?" It's like, well, be crafty. You don't need to be the fastest guy in the field to get open. Yeah. Look at Sanu. Sanu had was not fast by any means. No, but he's always open. Yeah, it's tough. I'm not saying it's just the receiver's fault, though. There's a combination of things, whether it's play calling, the the left tackle issue, that they keep rotating in guys. Willie Tyler looked like hot garbage this past weekend. Yeah. Um, Kamar Rizori didn't isn't like a great option either. They need to find something going on there. And Greg kind of hinted at that. I actually asked him, previewing the Temple game, about the O line. He said he wants to rotate in the tackles as well, but I mean they're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um. 
they, they got to figure out something there, whether it's Dorenzo at left tackle, which I, I don't think you move him because he's been pretty solid so far. And he's probably the only guard you can pull because I can't see you pulling Dunlap that much, at least. Mm -hmm. He's just too big of a human being. Um, <laughs> maybe Holland Pierce at left tackle and then put in a new right tackle. CJ Hansen's looked good in limited snaps. Um, the freshmen, I don't think, are anywhere there yet. Uh, so don't even ask about that. Uh, I just don't know what you do. you got to fix this line, too, as well. Because they did this, you should not be getting pushed by like a Temple defensive line like that. Yep. Yeah. In fairness, their strength was on their ed on the edges and their linebacker play, True. and they were able to get a, a handful of sacks on us on Saturday. Um, so we did kind of know that that was the strength of the team, but still, it is a group of five good offensive line. It's not necessarily like a Michigan or offensive or Ohio State offensive line. So. Stuff. Mm -hmm. We kind of ran the gamut here on stuff from Saturday. Were there any other things you guys wanted to bring up before we, we hopped off here today? Um, not, not that I can really think of. I mean, like I said, this game is going to be a little weird this weekend. Uh, night game, so you have the atmosphere on your side. I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but I think you'll probably get 48 to 50 around there. Um, actual attendance, it's probably going to be announced over 50 because that's just mm -hmm. what stadiums do at this point. I don't know why, but... Um, I, I think it should be a a weird a weird game. Like this offense, if it comes to show up and uh, shows up to play, they might they might end up scoring like fourteen to twenty one. Yeah. Yep. They if they don't, then um, I, it could be an ugly night for Rutgers. It's this defense is pretty good at Iowa. I'm kind of indifferent. I'm still thinking back and forth on my prediction. I know obviously we put them in the war room each week, but I, mm -hmm. I really don't know where this one's going because. It's a shitty offense versus good defense, a shitty offense versus a good defense. So, so someone's going to have to cave. This is their first game. road game of the year. They played three games sure. at home. They had a long game on Saturday. They'll probably be pretty worn out. I mean, they have mm -hmm. a week to recover, but they already lose mm -hmm. some time there. Um, Rutgers is going to be playing. Like, Shiano had mentioned this last week that, you know, we know what kind of environment these guys are going to see this weekend. But none of our none of our guys have really experienced this. Like they saw it from the first time around. So does the team get electrified and play like they got a twelfth man on the field because of how crazy the environment is, or do they get way too excited and miss tackles and commit dumb penalties like we mm -hmm. did the past couple games? Like how many how many like hit out of bounds penalties did we get called on us this season already? Like three or four? Two in the last game. Right. Yeah. So it's it's all about how our team handles the crowd and how Iowa handles the crowd. Now, Iowa could shrink in that moment. Who knows? But I think the crowd will play a factor. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, one thing to kind of mention, too, Rutgers hasn't won a Big Ten home game in in, in, in a couple of years. So, I mean, who who knows if that plays a factor, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Iowa's first 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 road game of the season for them. Um, obviously, Rutgers already had a home game. I know it was Wagner. Completely, completely did, you know, different story. But... Um, I think I think I think you'll see a good crowd for Rutgers. I mean, they showed up a, a lot of a lot of guys showed up in uh, in in Philly this past weekend. So I think they're excited for the game. I think they're going going to be excited. Um, I think there's going to be a Ferris wheel right for the for the boardwalk thing. So yeah. uh, you know nice maybe stuff. maybe we'll have to take take a ride on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> you, you could you take you do that. I'll go from the yeah. press box. You go from the Ferris wheel and see right. if you get a better view. I'll I'll wave I'll wave to you from the press box. How about that? I'll wave to you. I'll, I'll wave to you from the Ferris wheel. There you go. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. Now this going back to this Iowa team. I just I, I don't know. Like Spencer Peters doesn't 
look like an awful. I mean, obviously this year is a little different, but he, like going mm-hmm. back to like some of his other games, he doesn't look awful. He's not gonna torch you for three hundred or anything like that, but he can easily throw like a two thirty, two forty passing yard game, and it's not like he's afraid to chuck the ball. He's he'll, he's done it. Yeah, we'll see. We will have a, a preview episode later this week uh, to preview Iowa. Um, trying to line up a guest right now, but we will get really in-depth into that game. Um, but, again, we're 3-0. There's only so, and we're being critical because we know we can be better, guys, but we are still 3-0. Yeah. Chiano said it's better to teach lessons with a W in the column than with an L in the column. So uh, we will talk more later this week, but this has been another episode of the Night Report Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.